your home. And I just about started weeping. Because that's, isn't that what we long for? To live in this place where I come to be with God and I sense His delight and His joy because He's so enamored in love with me that I come into His presence and He gets excited and I get excited and we're this great time together in relationship. See, isn't that the dynamic of what we're talking about in this? That, that in this, in this context of of real life and having this real life with God and having faith, hope, and love for Him, it's imperative that we first then cultivate this relationship with Him. I'll be completely honest with you. Many of you have sat in churches for years and never been helped to go deeper in your relationship with Him. You've just been taught laws of morality of how to be better. And God, it sickens God's heart. That you spend more time talking about what you shouldn't do than who you are in Him. If you talk about the end of your day, oh my gosh, I wonder if I sinned that. I wonder if I did this. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if I did this. Oh my gosh. Instead of saying, oh God, I was so loved by you today and I loved you so well today. It's the context of relationship, right? We have to cultivate a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with Jesus of dependence. I can't live today without you. We are dependent in our relationship with Jesus. We're dependent upon communication. Isn't it true? You can't, I mean, you all know this, real practically speaking, you can't have a relationship with someone you don't actually communicate with. Right? Listen, when I was about six years old, I remember sitting in the barber chair. Yeah. The barber chair, like old school, right? And they had that pile of, like, combs and the blue liquid and all that kind of stuff, right? And they got the little, they got the hose that blows stuff. How awesome is that thing, right? And they just blow it in your face and, like, do it again, you know? So we sat there one day with my barber. I think his name was Steve, actually. Barber Steve with a really bad uh, mustache and a butt cut, right? And I'm never forgetting, he was, like, big old belly sitting there cutting my hair, right? And I'm never forgetting, he looked, he's like, man, hey, you got any girlfriends? I'm like, yeah, I got nine, I got nine, man. And he's like, what are their names? I start telling them their names. And he's like, well, you know, do they know? <laughs> do they know this? And he's like, no. I said, no, I've never talked to any of them. But they're my girlfriends, right? Some name like, like Farrah Fawcett, right? My neighbor down the street. You know what I'm talking about, right? I got nine girlfriends, right? And I, I look back and think, that was so cute and all. But the reality is, I have no relationship with them because I never communicated with them. They had no idea who I was. You can't have a relationship without communication, can you? Every wife's like, mm, mm, like this, right? Seriously, because the nature of relationship is communication. And I don't mean not really, really lame, cheesy, like, hey, how was your day? Fine, communication. I mean like that real heart, soul, and mind. Ladies, like, I'm talking about pillow talk. You know what I'm talking about, right? That pillow talk time. How was your day, babe? Eye to eye. Great. How was your day? Well, it was pretty hard. Tell me all about it. I want to hear everything that happened. Right? Because there's communication happening. You can't have a relationship apart from communication. You know, you, know, you read that, you know, that book that came out, I don't know how long ago it was now, but women are from Venus, right? And men are from Mars. And the whole idea is that 
Men and women are different, right? Not rocket science. Men and women are different. Their communication styles are different. The thing, the way they process information is different. Like, they're just very, very different, right? They're two different planets. And so, so the whole book is about learning how to communicate. Because the thing and about communicating, figuring things out about one another. But what I realized, you know, in, in this and in, in my own relationship and looking around is that women, by and large, have deeper relationships with their friends than, than men do. Because women, when they get together, like, oh, my gosh, tell me everything going on. And they go, okay. And they share their heart. They share their soul, their mind, everything going on, right? And guys, <laughs> we're just not naturally like that, right? So about three years ago, my buddy, my best friend Tyler and I, we're going to go on a two-day fishing trip, right? So we go to Lake Oconee, we get a hotel, and we're going to spend the night. We're going to fish on Thursday and fish all day on Friday, like from sun up to sundown, right? And so we go down, and we get in the lake, and listen, second cast, I get a two-pound bass, right? And it's on. By the end of the day, we've caught like 30 to 40 bass that day. It was an awesome day. We go out the next day, the weather's changed, but man, we figure it out, and we tear it up again the next day, and we're like, when we're in the boat, we're high-fiving, we're laughing, we're talking about stuff, right? It's a great, great time, and we leave, and we even call, and that's an awesome fishing trip, remember that time you caught that fish, blah, 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 mine's all bigger, ha, 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 right? Having that conversation. So I get home, and I'm like, how was your trip? Oh my gosh, it was awesome. So I start talking about catching fish, Right? And she's like, well, how's Tyler doing? I'm saying, I'm sure he's great, right? No, he's great. Like, what's going on with Carrie? I mean, I mean, she's, saying, she's, she's good, right? The boys are like, what? Oh, the boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. What are their names? Uh, she looked at me, she's like, please tell me you didn't sit in a boat in a confined space for two days and never actually talked about what was going on in his life. I'm like, yes, <laughs> Right? It's that whole dynamic. Guys, we can get together and never actually go anywhere, don't we? We can just stay on the surface and be completely fine. And it is true that there is relationship in that. There is relationship in that. But I would say this. For us to have, listen to this, for us to, this is where we're going. For us to have relationships that lead us to the real life, it's imperative that we have what I'm calling Real-life conversations. Like real-life conversations. No, I mean by that stuff that's it's not like what I was just describing. That yes, there is some of that. I mean, men, don't worry. I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, i got to go heart, soul, and mind. No, like I get, when I get with you, I want to pick on you for 30 minutes, and you pick on me for 30 minutes, right? I want you to make fun of what I look like and what I'm wearing for 30 minutes and talk about how much better you are at me than everything that you're doing. I mean, there's competition thing going on, but somewhere along the way, once we get beyond that, I want you to ask me how I'm doing with Jesus. And I want you to know what's going on. And I want to know what's going on with you. So that we can cut up and laugh. My, my, my best friendships are the ones we go straight from Georgia football to fishing to fancy football to how's it going with your wife and your kids. Back to how you're really bad husband because I was making fun of you because I'm better than you. Back to how's it going with Jesus. And you just find yourself weaving in and out of those. Real-life conversations that actually get to the core of who you are, as well as make fun of you. You only make fun of the ones you love. I use that phrase all the time. This is what we're talking about in the real life, y'all. We're all in. But all in requires real-life conversations. Well, I say that real-life conversations happen, and I would say, and I hear this, 
those aren't just real life conversations. Those aren't, those aren't with just everybody in your life. What I would say is real life conversations are with the primary, listen, who are with the primary people in your life that are leading you to your real life. Like your primary, your primary real life conversations are happening with those who are in your life, who are primarily leading you to your real life. So, so in that, I'm not expecting you to bear your soul to your banker or to the person checking you out at the grocery store, to your hairstylist, right, to, any, to all these people. I, I mean, and you're going to have a level of relationship with them, but I'm talking these primary people that God has placed in your life, these primary relationships that God is using to enhance your life to a degree that it actually causes you to be all in so that one one day, like we talked about several months ago, you walk past someone. This is this Bible, y'all. You walk past someone who went from being a, so you were here. You walk past someone, and your shadow heals them, like Paul, like Peter's did. That's what he said. The real life. Peter was living his life as an average ordinary fisherman and had no no Facebook friends, no Instagram friends at all. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes into his life and takes him to here. In three years, the whole Christian world knows his name and his shadows healing people. Which one is more the true real life in Christ? Now, I'm not putting expectation of your shadow healing people on you. Don't worry. But I'm saying there's something in God that's more than what you're living. And I'm saying that it is birthed out of communication, these relationships that we have with people, these primary relationships that are primarily leading us to real life conversations that lead us to real life. The conversations encourage me to live dependent upon God so that I have faith, hope, because I've experienced God's love through my relationship with Him. And to be honest with you, because I've experienced God's love through relationship with you. I just wonder, are you the person that someone gets around and they walk away but, and know that God loves them because they've been with you? That's what we're talking about. Primary relationships, primary real life conversation, leading to real life, to be to be all in. So that's what we're talking about. The next few weeks, we're going to talk about this, these real life conversations. And we've seen the life of Jesus. There are two specific primary groups of, of primary relationships that Jesus has. The first one is this relationship with the father. Relationship with the Father. If you ever read through Scripture, you find that I'm going to read two of these, but you find again and again where Jesus leaves a group of people to go be with the Father. We see in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, But Jesus, I love this, often means more than once, plenty of times, all the time, withdrew from people to lonely places, and he prayed. Lonely means there's nobody there. He pulled away from groups all the time to go be with Father. Mark one thirty five. Jesus got up, he left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So just, just understand very quickly for the context of our conversation for the next three weeks, four weeks. When I say real life conversations, you could also say prayer. And I'm not using the word prayer because you all think prayer is boring. I, th- I say prayer, and you think list. Oh my gosh, I gotta go pray, right? You think boring church services, right? You think all these terrible times of, oh Lord, be with my aunt Joan who has gout. Oh God, you know, you think of these. T- you're like, oh my gosh, it's so gross. I'm about to vomit in my mouth, right? Please stop praying. You know what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about this real life conversation where I'm, I'm, I'm with people, I'm with God, I'm hearing, I'm speaking, right? I'm, I'm with, and it's a dynamic relationship, right? Close my eyes, it says, welcome home, right? You're like, yes, it's so good to be here. I'm, I'm this buoyed by it as a life-giving, real life conversation. So I'm going to use that language, right? Because we understand it better, we take out the boring prayer, right? And we add real life. This just sounds better, right? Real life conversations. It's just for the context of our conversation. Real life conversations. Jesus is having these real life conversations with the Father. And I love that he leaves a place, right? Because what I want to say is this. Listen, this is important. Jesus was the most dependent person who's ever lived. Like, Jesus did not believe in independence for self. He believed in utter dependence. How do I know this? It says in, well, it says in John chapter 5, verse, nine, verse, verse 19. John 5, verse 19. Jesus speaking. Very truly, I ain't lying, y'all. The Son, I can do nothing by myself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Do you see Jesus? Says, I can't do anything by myself. I've got to be with the Father. I've got to hear from the Father. I've got to be with the Father. It's birth my time with the Father. I do nothing in independence. I'm utterly and completely, 100% of the time, completely dependent on Dad. I'm utterly dependent on Father all day long. I can't, I can't even move. I can't even do anything important in my day. So I've first gone to the Father, been with Him, had a real-life conversation with Him, communicated with Him, just been flourishing in my relationship with Him. And in that moment, God, I see what God has me to do. I see His will. I see His desires. I see His longing. So, so I begin to do it. Jesus did nothing unless He first went to the Father with it. Posture of dependence. I told you last week, I pray every day. You should, you should pray this. I pray God, I said, God, give me grace today to receive the love of the Father in the same way Jesus received it. Give me grace. Help me. No one's writing that down. You need to write it down. You want to talk about changing your prayer life? Wake up every morning and pray these two prayers every day for a month. God, give me the grace to love Jesus the way the Father loves Him. God, give me grace to receive the love of the Father the way Jesus received it. If you, listen, I'm going to give you great. You ready? I'm about to change your life. If you have a prayer list that you pray every day in your prayer journal, I want you to rip it out and get rid of it. This is how you get rid of it. Jesus, I'm not going to pray this this month. I'm just going to hand it to you because you already know I'm going to pray before I pray. So do it. And you put your list over here and you pray just for a month. God, you pray those two prayers. Give me grace. God, give me grace today to know the love of the Father the way Jesus knew it. And give me grace today to love Jesus the way the Father loves him. And for a month, just pray into being awakened to the fullness of God's powerful love for you, because I'll tell you something. Let you a little secret right here. If you allow God to awaken the power of His love for you, it will increase 
your faith to pray for your list, infinity by infinity, and all of a sudden you begin to see breakthrough in your list. Because you now are praying in the confidence of God by faith and hoping in his movement. So I'm not really saying get rid of your list because that would be bad of me to say. I'm just saying stop thinking the list is yours to make happen and trust it over to Jesus. Release it to him. We have to live dependent upon him, right? Dependent relationship. The second thing we see Jesus have is a relationship with his closest confidants, his disciples, his friends, right? Like, I'm going to say this to you real quick. This is going to offend you a little bit. Jesus had favorites, y'all. I mean, he did. Like, he had favorites. Like, he had people that he would spend time with and not with others. He would devote his best energies to a specific group of people and not others. We see here in, Mark, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 5, right? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, thousands of people, this is the peak and pinnacle of his ministry, okay? This is like, when he was like, he had his mega church going on right now, right? He had the mega church going on, had the big worship team up. Front. I'm just kidding, right? This is his mega church moment, right? Going on right now. Everybody's following him, and it says this. Now when Jesus saw the mega church, he left them. <laughs> He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. You know what you have from there on, all the way through chapter 7? The Sermon on the Mount. The most amazing, most powerful sermon in the history of Scripture, in the history of the world. He didn't share it with the masses. He shared it with a few. He said, this is not for everyone. I'm pulling you in. Not favorites as in I love you more, but favorites as in I, you're my primary relationships right now. Do you see what I mean in that? It's like I love my mail carrier, but Timothy Parker is a much more important relationship to me. I give my primary energies to him. Why? Because I need to be Jesus to him. He needs to be Jesus to me so that we can both kill it in the areas of ministry God's called us to here. Which he does. Primary relationship. I choose him over my mail carrier. You have your primary relationships. They're your favorites, in essence. And Jesus sits down with them and shares his heart with them. He becomes their, he, they, they become his favorite. And his, he has real life conversations with them. He shares things with them. He shares with no one else. He calls Peter, James, and John. Well, listen, he took the 12. He says, this is 50 to 100 people here in Matthew chapter 5. Then he takes it down to 12. And he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, right? And then he says, that's the 12. Now I'm going to pull, my, pull three aside, Peter, James, and John. Come with me to the garden. And all of a sudden he exposes the fullness of his, of his heart as he begins to weep of the impending death that's coming upon him. Do you see the primary relationships that Jesus has of people who are honestly leading him to his real life, God's calling, kingdom life, he's called to live here. Primary relationships. We see it. When you see Jesus describing this in this this stately prayer, this, this Jesus prayer, the most powerful prayer in the history of the world here in John 17. Jesus says this in verse 8. For I gave them, talking about disciples, I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They know with certainty that I came from you, and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the rest of them. I'm not praying for the world right now. I'm just praying for those you have given me, for they are yours. 
Jesus has a special prayer time for those who have his primary relationship with him who are ultimately going to cause revival to happen and bring us salvation even today here in America. Because the twelve went out from what they had learned in their real conversations with Jesus. Their real life conversations. We must be having real life conversations in the same way as Jesus. We must be cultivating this relationship. Our, listen, in the context of all of you all know, the primary relationship that defines your existence. Listen, the primary relationship that defines your existence is your relationship with Jesus, your past, your present, and your future, right? It cannot just be a relationship that you have. It can't just be the mail carrier relationship. It has to be this primary, the relationship, the relationship that defines everything about you. Where you give the best of your energy, the best of your time, it becomes the primary relationship you invest your energies into. That you come and devote yourself to Him. For it's impossible to maintain and grow a relationship where there is little to no communication happening. Let me just be honest with you. I'm just going to kind of give you a clarity moment, a clarifying moment. If we don't embrace real-life conversations, a life of prayer, of engaging Jesus on a very, very deep and very personal primary relationship type way communication, you will never, ever attain your real life. Prayer, your real-life conversation, time with Him, devoted to Him, pulling away to be with Him, to hear Him, it is a necessary step. It's required. Because you can't grow into someone and with someone unless you're actually communicating with them. You understand that from your own relationships. You have no relationship apart from communication. You have no in-depth growing relationship with anyone unless you're having time, real life, heart, soul, and mind type conversation. Simply say the only soil in which real life can be cultivated, grown, and realized is the soil of real life conversations. Jesus modeled that for us, right? And so, we have to embrace them. We have to embrace them with the Father. We have to live in this place of dependency on the Father. Our real life, as we discussed last week, is marked by this dependence faith, hope, and love because we know him so well. We are dependent on Jesus moving. We're dependent on him speaking into our lives. We have to go after this. But we struggle. Time, energy, whatever it may be, we struggle with this. It's a book called A Praying Life, Connecting with God and Distracting the World by Paul Miller. I'd encourage all of you to read it. There are billions of books. This is a good one, real practical it's actually a great book to give uh, in prayer in regards to families. Not a lot of great family stories. But he says this. If you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy. But if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find time for real-life conversations, find time to pray. So I'll just be completely honest with you. I mean, I've, I've been in this place. I've been in this place where 
even in my own life, I, I find myself busy and overwhelmed by life. And it's like prayer's the last thing that I go to. I know none of you are ever like that. You always go to Jesus first. But I'll never forget this story. I don't think Ella's here, but I'll get Gary is here. Probably in, our, in year number two, year one and a half at Vintage, our leadership team is sitting, uh, Dave and Lane may remember the story, we're sitting there and, and we're talking about Vintage and talking about where we are. And I was in that stage, like, do you ever when you get stressed or, like, anxious, you start talking a lot faster, and you're like, uh, uh, I'm talking like that. And I find myself like, talking like this, and so much going on, and, uh, like, this kind of stuff going on, right? And I'll never forget, I'm going on about vintage, I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, and I'll never forget, Ella does this. She goes, Stephen. Just like that. Just cocked her head and goes, Stephen. She goes, you need to stop striving. And I just went, yes, Jesus. I mean, yes, all right? I mean, God just spoke through her in the moment. It was just, I mean, this life, all, you don't understand. Like about every, every three months, I find myself going back to that moment and hearing Jesus through her saying, it's not about your talent. It's not about your abilities. It's not about you making things happen. It's you being dependent. In that moment, she burst my bubble of pride, my bubble of selfishness, my bubble of striving. Says, it's not about you. Vintage doesn't belong to you. Steve, stop thinking that it does and recognize I've brought you, listen, hear this, I've brought you to the place of the end of the rope so that you would recognize your dependence. Would you please turn to me? How many of that, how many of that happen in life? You live at a place where you reach the end and you still won't even turn to Jesus, really. And in that moment, I do it all the time now. God, I'm terrible at everything that I'm doing, but you're great at that. So in my really, really present and very, very clear weakness, I'm asking, would you be strong? Would you be awesome? Because I can't do it without you. It is every 30 minutes. Or if it's really those seasons, it's like every... Every 30 seconds. Because I realize I'm utterly dependent upon him. I'm always a little too tired, a little too busy. But I need him. And so, we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. I encourage you to come. Here are two takeaway questions. Number one, press pause real quick. So, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you were hearing this as condemnation, as in guilt-producing, as if like, you're a terrible person, as if, like, oh my gosh, God's mad at me, you have not heard God's voice. The loving voice of the Father speaks into the moment, and you ask these questions, the que- ask these questions he's going to have a fatherly, loving response. And so it's going to be like this. You're going to ask this question this week. Am I... Having intentional times of dependent real life conversation with Jesus. Are you? Like, so you go to God, say, God, God, let's be honest, let's be honest, honest conversation. Am I having, am I making time for, for, am I making intentional time for dependent real life conversations with you? And the voice of condemnation is going, oh my gosh, of course not. You're terrible. You're the worst Christian version in my life. There's no hope for you. Everyone else has a chance, but not you. Loser. Right? That's not the voice of God. He's not going to go, yeah, look at all your sin. You're terrible. Sinner. He's going to go, oh, I'm so glad you asked. Because I want even more time. It's not great. 
but by my by my grace and by my help, it can be a lot more and it can be great. Ask him, am I having intentional times, a dependent real life conversation with Jesus? You see, the byproduct of difficult situations usually leads us to this place. The byproduct of hitting the end of the rope, right, the end of the road, difficult situations lead you to Jesus. Just live your life at the end of your rope in need of him in everything. That's what he wants to lead us to. The second thing, no condemnation. Am I making space for relationship with Jesus? Am I making space for relationship with Jesus? Relationships cannot be cultivated and deepened on the fly. Listen, relationships cannot be deepened and cultivated on the fly. Paul Miller says this, and then we'll be done. You don't create intimacy. You just make room for it. Like, I don't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have pillow time my wife tonight. I'm going to make it happen. And like, no, let's make time. And we talk. All right? We make time. Make room for it. This is true whether you're talking about your spouse, your friend, or God. You need space to be together. Efficiency, multitasking, and busyness all kill intimacy. In short, you cannot get to know God on the fly. You can't. It takes intentional time separating your energies, the best of your energies, on Him. So these are the questions. How are you doing? How is it going? Ask Him. And then just begin to make space for Him. Let's pray together. Father, as we sit in this moment, God, we recognize, Jesus, that, man, we can always grow in our time with You, hearing Your voice, walking with You, God. We recognize, God, there's just areas, Lord, that we're all, every single one of us, every single one of us are prone to trust our own talents, our own skills, our own gifts. God, it's... It's a, it's a difficult place to be. And we ask today for help. Lord, I pray that you begin to, to show us our dependence. Show us where we are in receiving your love for us. God, show us where we are in giving, giving our best energies to you and the best of our time. Lord, I pray today that we would just be awakened, God, that we've done a pretty good job of messing up our life and our own strength. But God, I pray you would show us that, Lord, you can fix all of that because that's who you are. I pray you would deepen us today. I pray you would raise our level of dependence upon you, God, as we receive your love and then have faith and hope in you. God, I pray that you would make us great at real-life conversations with you, hearing your voice, walking with you, listening to you, speaking to you. We ask for help. In Jesus' name, amen.